Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I'm not going to uh, review everything that we talked about this morning, but I do want to go over this uh, foundational text that we've been looking at here in Ephesians 4. If you were not able to uh, be here this morning, if you were working in another department, children's ministry, things like that, please go back and listen because we covered a lot of ground and I know it will uh, strengthen you because this is, this is food to grow by. This is some of that miracle grow we were talking about. Not the kind that came out of Grandma's barn either. <laughs> Ephesians 4... You'll hear it. This we talked about miracle grow this morning. Ephesians four. Let's look at verse twelve. I'm sorry. Let's start with eleven. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice he, speaking of Jesus, the head of the church, it has identified him uh, as the head of, of all things here in this chapter. It says he has given this fivefold ministry offices, these offices that are spiritually supplied, they're, they're uh, equipped with a spiritual equipment. He has given them for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting, we have defined it according to the original language. It means maturing or developing. The developing of the saints. The maturing of the saints. And we've come to the realization that every believer is in a stage of development. Every believer must pass through this development so that we can grow, so that we can mature so that we can be developed in Christ. And the fivefold offices have spiritual supply or equipment to help us in that growth and in that development. And so this word perfecting of the saints precedes the working of the ministry. We need the perfecting of the saints so that the work of the ministry will have God's character and God's stability in the work of the ministry. Because as we're going to see, the perfecting is growing up in Christ. It is growing up so that I have His responses, I have His character, I'm flowing with His spiritual flows, so that as I'm working in the ministry, I am, I am representing Christ. I am representing Christ. And so we see this development as vital for the effective working of the ministry. Now, we, we touched on something this morning that I just want to briefly visit again because uh, faith comes by hearing, right? And so we discussed how the early church, when they came to a place of growth, that they needed to be able to put some other people in a position. It says that because of their growth, the, the widows, the Grecian widows, were being neglected in the distribution of food. And so they needed to find some people to help in that department. They needed to find someone who could uh, uh, effectively represent Christ as they were distributing food. Right? And what a requirement they had for this food distribution department. What a requirement. Right? And that requirement was that they would be people of integrity, people of honest report, people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they wanted people who had a level of development already operative so that they are representing Christ. And we also see that two of those 
went on, Philip and Stephen went on to have uh, greater responsibilities given to them. And those greater responsibilities came because they were being faithful in the position and developing that faithfulness and developing. And so it would be detrimental to put people in positions, especially where uh, lives are affected, not just for the lives that they could affect or influence negatively, but also for their own welfare. For, for people who are, you know, the Bible says that you should not lay hands suddenly. Well, that laying hands suddenly means don't be quick to put people in position of leadership and responsibility who have not, because it's going to hurt them. They're going to think, hey, I'm okay because they're letting me do this, but they're not okay in their walk with God in, in other areas where they're being carnal or they're allowing the enemy uh, to, to lead them away into sinful things and then they want to come back and say, but I'm okay because they're letting me do this and this in the church. So it's not just hurting anybody that they could influence and, and their bad um, uh, 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 example, but it's also deceiving that person to think they're okay because they've been given a responsibility and, and yes, there are, that doesn't mean someone has to be saved a certain, you know, have to a whole year or whatever, but there are certain departments that they can get in entry level and, and learn their faithfulness and be around other people who can help them learn and grow uh, without being in a position where they're leading other people. They can serve until they grow in maturity to a point that they are perf developed, perfected, developed, matured, developed to a place where they are going to be safe influencers. Safe influencers. So that responsibility is in the church. That responsibility is in the leadership of the church that we all have to walk by the same standard of love. We all have to walk by the same standard of, of living by the precepts of God. And so it, we want to have the best interest of people and their growth and not just, not just please them by, by making them feel good. Our job, you know, there's a lot of times I preach sermons and, and, and it, you probably don't feel good. <laughs> but if you're growing, I don't care how you feel as long as you grow. That's what's important to me. If, if it makes you jump off and, and run and shout, that's fine. But if it doesn't, if you're still growing, then it, without the running and jumping and shouting, I'm still okay as long as you're growing, as long as you are receiving something that's going to help you walk with God. Amen? And so that's what we've got to have in our, our mindset when we're helping other people grow is that it's not going to benefit that person to have a responsibility just for the sake of having a responsibility. They've got, to sh they've got to show and develop and learn faithfulness in their life uh, by serving just like anybody else so that they can grow and have a stability in that growth. And so that's why there was that standard that we're not going to put anybody in this position to, to minister to the widows who doesn't already have a stability because, yes, we want the widows to have a stable influence of the love of God ministering to them, and we also want that person who is serving the Lord in that position to, to be able to, uh, to handle the responsibility that comes their way. So we're seeing this perfection this development, this maturity as something that we all have a responsibility to, that we all have a partaking of it, and we see the importance of it is the work of the ministry, the perfecting of the saints, because the more trustworthy I am to God, the more He can trust me with. The more faithful I am to do it, to respond His way, to walk in love, to, to respond out of the word, the more trustworthy I am in that area, the more he can trust me with. And so the work of the ministry, every believer has a part to play in the work of the ministry. 
There are no sitting saints. They're, they're, we don't have, you know, like on the basketball team, they got a lot of people who just warm the bench. Not in the church. Not in the body of Christ. No bench warmers. And we're not the, we're not the audience cheering the pastor from the stands. Preach, pastor! Woo, 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 woo! Rock chop. No, we're not, the, we're not from the stands, the encouragement for the person who is behind the pulpit. The person behind the pulpit is, is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So the work of the ministry is not just what's taking place back here. The work of the ministry is everything we do in Jesus' name. From, from the outreaches of the church to you uh, inviting people to come to ladies' meeting or to men's meeting and, and, and witnessing to people on your job. The work of the ministry. We all have a part to play. We all have a part to play in the local church. And that's why there are opportunities in the local church from greeting to ushering to uh, uh, the, t- the clean team. All of the different opportunities that we have are so that we have something to offer, offer as an honor to God, our work to Him. Amen? And so this morning we talked about the different stages. We looked at the milk stage that we saw from 1 Peter uh, it said, "Desire the sincere milk of the word, sincere milk of the word." In chapter two and verse two, and that you may grow thereby. And so uh, that's the the responsibility as well that we desire. We desire the milk of the word, and we desire to grow with it. And then we also looked at Hebrews chapter five that talked about the milk is for those who are still unskillful in the word of righteousness. And we talked about the fact that the more I am uh, stable and established in who I am in Christ and the righteousness of God that I am and who Christ is in me, the more I am aware of who that I am no longer just a mere human being, but I am alive unto God, and I no longer have to just depend on my emotions to handle things or my mind to be able to respond to adverse situations, but I can dip down into my spirit and I can respond out of who I am in Christ and that victory that's available in my spirit. I can live out of my heart and I can live out of that characteristics of God. And uh, that foundation of who I am, he, he said it's called being skillful with it. And then he said that solid food or strong meat is for those who by reason of use have, have exercised their senses to be able to discern or recognize what's good and what's not good, what's good and what's bad. And that is by use. So there's no quick way to it. There's no just get hands laid on me, anoint me with oil and make me grow up. No, I'm just going to have to walk out the word and grow. I'm going to have to be a doer of the word and grow. I'm going to have to feed on the word every day and grow. And as I grow in the word, I'm going to have that maturing and that developing. And I am going to be what we see in verse 13 here of Ephesians 4. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Again, the word perfect means mature and developed. In the original language, it talks about a process that needs to go from start to finish. And we, we liken that into how a baby is born and that baby has all of its bones, it has all of its organs, but it's not formed fully. Those bones aren't as, as long as they're going to be. Those organs aren't as strong or uh, at the size that they're going to be as they grow. As they develop, they grow into maturity. They grow into a different stage. And so that same thing is true for the believer, that as we feed on the Word of God, we grow into that. So that's our foundation. Do you see how quickly I got through that? Whoa, I'm so glad because sometimes I just re-preach it and we get stuck all over in that same thing. Go back and listen to the rest of it. Galatians is where I want to go next. Galatians is where I want to go. And I'll tell you what's been in my heart as I've been praying for you. I, I'm praying for 
Um, I'm praying that, that I've been praying for unity in this church, in, the, in our fellowship. Unity with God. That means keeping pace with Him, being in synchronization with Him. Unity with the vision because the Bible says they had singleness of purpose. That unity, it's called the, the bond of unity is the love of God. So for us to be, for us to be successful in the things that God is telling us to believe for, both individually in our families and as a church family, our faith can only produce as far as the power supply to it. If you have an instrument, this bass guitar, this piano, those instruments are perfectly functional, but if they're not plugged in to a power supply, this keyboard can be a fully functional and it can produce great things, but if it's not connected to a power supply, then it's not going to be effective. In the same way, let's say, for instance, somebody had to use a generator to power their house. Anybody ever had to use a generator to power your house? You don't run everything on the generator. You're like, no, 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 we're not doing the dryer. Don't run the dryer right now till the electricity comes back on because the electricity is going to provide enough power so that everybody can watch their TVs in their own rooms and we can have the refrigerator going, we can have the dryer going, the washer going, we can have everything if the electricity is. But if we are down to generator power, we are only going to use what we need. We need the refrigerator to stay cold and, and we need maybe a light or two to, for whatever, but we, we're not going to run everything on the generator because it's not going to produce enough power to run everything. And I believe there are a lot of, of Christians whose faith is effective, but they don't have enough power supply of love to move it, to make their faith operative. And because God is dealing with us about expansion and dealing with us about reaching into more, that's going to require not just more faith. What else is it going to require? Faith works by love. So if we don't have the supply of love, we can have great faith. But it's going to be unplugged. It's not going to have the same power supply coming to it if we don't have great love to match the faith. And that's what 1 Thessalonians was referring to when it said that your, your faith grows exceedingly as your love abounds one towards another. So we've got to develop and mature in the character of God. Not just in our faith. Because our faith, can, can, we can have all of the right parts in place to operate faith. But if, our, if, if we're not growing and maturing as believers in our walk with God, in our love walk, in our walk with one another, in our ability to maintain our joy, in our ability to preserve our peace. If, if we are moved by every different outward situation and circumstance, there's not a stability there. And that stability is only by the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit being developed in our life. So let's look here at this in Galatians chapter 5. I think I'm actually going to begin... In verse 1, it says in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So there's a liberty, and to stand in it, we're going to have to maintain that stand in that liberty. And then he's comparing that liberty, there's a contrast here in this verse, a yoke of bondage. Now go with me to... Uh, verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. 
by love serve one another. I have a list here. I want to just give you, don't, you may not want to try to write all these down, but I just want to give you a biblical uh, New Testament uh, uh, snapshot of, of instructions that we've been given where each other are concerned. So how we deal with one another, he says, by love serve one another is very important to God. He emphasizes it. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, he says that we, we need to be encouraging one another. The Bible says that we are here in this one to serve one another. The Bible, the New Testament encourages us to greet one another, to comfort one another, to care for one another, instruct one another, welcome one another, love one another, and that one is mentioned over a dozen times. Show kindness one to the other. Live in harmony with one another. Submit to one another. Teach and admonish one another. Encourage one another. Do good to one another. Exhort one another. Stir up one another. Confess our sins one to each other. Show hospitality to one another. Clothe ourselves with humility to one another, and to fellowship with one another. What a list of instruction. That's just there in the New Testament of how we are to be towards each other. Why? Because you're God's child. You are God's child, and I'm God's child. And Daddy doesn't allow bickering in the house. Right? He wants us to have a standard of how we treat each other. And so this growth, this developing, has a lot to do with the body. It has a lot to do not just with walking in love with people in general, but really how we treat each other, the other blood-washed people. Because we honor the blood you're washed with, right? I honor the life of God that's in you. You remember Pastor telling the story about when we were first married and we had had a, an argument and he had stormed out of the house. He had, you know, spoke really gruff to me and stormed out of the house and he went to work. He was working at the Piggly Wiggly at the meat department and so he had to open up the meat department. He went back there and he's still kind of mad, you know, and he's, you know, throwing that chuck roast and getting everything ready and kind of like that. And about that time the Lord said, how dare you talk to my daughter that way? He called me. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And he shared with me, God had confronted him, not how dare you talk to your wife that way, but God reminded him, she's my daughter. And the way that you spoke to her doesn't sit well with me. And that is a recognition that we need to have and a respect that we... Because I... I I show my respect to God by the way I'm respecting his people. I show my honor. And so one of the things that we recognize and, and we, we recognize our leaders, that we know God placed this leader in my life. God placed this person. But he also has given me brothers and sisters. And so the way that I grow is by developing in that esteem, esteeming one another highly. So he says here in this verse, by love, serve one another. It's a great thing that we have a church that we can come serve each other at. This morning, Pastor Anthony and Pastor Tanya, they were serving us by ministering to our children. The praise team was serving us by leading us in worship. There are people working the cameras and the media and, and people who have helped with bringing Umbrella out and, and helping out during the rain, rainstorm coming down hard. They're serving us. We're serving each other. And we're coming and we're all bringing a supply of love so that we can honor God here in this house as we honor each other. Amen? So it says serve one another. 
serve one another. But it says, don't take this liberty and use it as an occasion for your flesh to respond and your flesh to have its way in a situation, but instead take this liberty and serve God with this liberty by serving one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one with another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, everybody has flesh. We all have flesh. But none of us have to allow our flesh to have its voice in our life, to have any activity in our life. Don't let it in the driver's seat and don't give it the microphone. If it starts coming out of your mouth, you have let your flesh have the microphone. Take that microphone away from your flesh and say, you're not speaking. I'm not letting you talk. Sit down and shut up. I'm crucifying you. Right? Don't let it drive your decisions. Don't let it drive because it it will gain momentum. If you give the flesh in one area, it, it doesn't say, oh, that's good. I've got you with the... You can't turn down three pieces of chocolate cake. I got you there. So I'm settled. I'm good. As long as I can keep you over here in this place of lacking self-control. No, it's going to say, okay, I've got you missing it here. Let me try to see if I can get you miss it here. Right? It, it wants to continue to, until it has full control. If you've ever heard Brother Hagen tell the story about the preacher's wife, the, the pastor, she was a pastor of the church too. He said, I was at a, 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 a church and I was preaching and I, he said, it really wasn't a part of my message, but I ended up over there in 1 John where it says, uh, he that hateth his brother is a murderer. And he said, I just stopped and he said, I quoted that verse. It really wasn't a part of my message, but somehow the Lord had taken me over to it. I quoted that verse and I just stopped and said, that means hating your mother-in-law too. And then he said, I just stopped and, and, and went back to my sermon. And he said, after church, we went out to, and we were having uh, something to eat. And uh, the, the preacher's wife, the pastor, the, the, the wife of the couple, she said, I, I, she said, you've got me confused, Brother Hagen. He goes, he, he said, no, the word just showed up. You were confused when I got here. And uh, she, he said, what are you talking about? And she said, when you said that if, I, uh, if a person hates their brother, they're a murderer. And he said, well, that's what the word said. I didn't confuse you. The word said that. And she said, well, I hate my mother-in-law. And he said, well, then you're a murderer. And he said, I knew I had her, you know, because she said, but Brother Hagen, I was born in, in the parsonage of our Pentecostal church. I was raised by a Pentecostal pastor. I went to, to school and she named the school that she had gone to, the, the Christian Bible school that she had gone to. She said, my husband and I have already planted two churches, raised them up and, and left pastors with them. And we're on our way to establish our third church. She said, how can you tell me that I am a murderer? And he said, I didn't tell you that. The scripture says. And then, but listen, this is the point I want to get to. He said, look me in the eye and tell me you hate your mother-in-law. And she said, uh, she looked him in the eye and she said, I hate my mother-in-law. He said, now what just happened? She said, right here, something's scratching me. He said, that's the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart. You don't really from your heart hate your mother-in-law, but you're just letting your flesh do all the responding. You're letting your flesh because she's offended you, because she's done something in a way that you didn't like. And he explained that uh, this, her husband, the man that she had married, was an only son. There were, there were daughters, but he was the only son, and his father had died early, and he had taken over the company business, and his mother and his sisters had kind of bossed him around and now he's married and his wife doesn't want the bossing coming from the other women in his family, right? He said, you don't really hate your mother-in-law. 
That's your flesh. You're offended at her, and you're allowing your flesh to respond. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people have ruined good marriages because they didn't know the difference between what was bothering their flesh and how to say, you know what, I'm going to reach into my heart, and I'm going to love you out of my heart, and I'm not going to let you pluck my last nerve today. Because that's a choice. You can, you can choose not to be bothered by it. You can choose. You can guard your heart. You can go ahead and build 1 Corinthians 13 into your heart so that you're not easily offended. Now, do we talk about offense a little bit this morning? We talked about how that John the Baptist, who had revelation from God as to when the one, he said, he said, the one who sent me to baptize told me that when I see the Spirit of God descending and remaining, that that would be the Christ. And he, on the day he baptized Jesus, testified, Today I have seen the Spirit of God descend upon and remain upon him. He is the Christ. But then fast forward a few chapters and he has been put in prison and he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the one? How did he lose what he had gained from a direct revelation from God? supernatural revelation. He had light that he proclaimed and brought other people into that light and now he's lost that light. Jesus gives us the key when he responds and he says, go tell John that the lame are walking, the blind are receiving their sight, the gospel's being preached to the poor and blessed are those who are not offended in me. The offense caused him to lose the revelation he once walked in. And that offense is what we also saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when he said, you should be able, I can't speak to you as unto spiritual, chapter 3, verse 1, I, brethren, I can't speak to you like you're spiritual, but I have to speak to you like you're carnal because there's envy, strife, and jealousy. So those, he said, carnal, evidence of carnality is envy, strife, and divisions. In these strife and divisions, they were evidences. They were symptoms that they were not adults yet. They were not developed yet. They were not mature yet. They, they weren't sinners. Did you, let me say that again. They were brethren. They weren't sinners, but they weren't mature either. They weren't developed either. Oh, my goodness. When I first got saved, I was like... Jesus, help me grow up. I was so aware of how immature I was spiritually, how short my fuse was, how easy I was to get my feelings hurt. And, and I would pray, Lord, help me grow up. You know, it's just, I just want to be past this stage of my life. Praise God he has. But I had to recognize that it was a walk. It was a process. I had to walk it out. And so he said the envy, the strife. Now, strife is, is an open door because the New, the New Testament also tells us where there is strife, there's every evil work. Where there's strife, there's every evil work. So that, how does that evil work get into the things of God? In God's kingdom, how does the strife... How does the evil work get in? It gets in through strife. It, because strife is, an, is a step out of love. If I'm in strife with my husband, I'm not operating love. I'm not submitting to the love command. If I'm in strife with someone in the church, I'm not submitting to the love command. And I can think it's just my feelings. I can think it's just me. And the enemy would love for us to think that. He would love for us to think, oh, that's just your feelings. You just got your feelings hurt. And, and how dare they talk to you that way and, you know, snap the fingers and get the attitude. And, and as you mature, though, you recognize that's not just my feelings. That's an opportunity to step out of love. And I would rather forgive and give up my feelings and say, you know what? Feelings are overrated. They're just overrated. I don't, have to, if they, I don't have to let my feelings get in the way of my obedience to God. 
right? And so this recognition that strife is something the enemy uses as opportunity to bring other evil works, other destructions. If you've ever heard Pastor Nancy Dufresne, she says it this way, before you get in that argument, you better check and make sure your bank account can handle what that strife's about to bring into your life because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. If you need to be able to pay your mortgage, you better just bite your tongue and walk in love. <laughs> right? Because it brings in destruction in other places. It hinders the faith from working. It hinders our love. It's the stony ground syndrome. The stony ground is offended ground. He, they, were, they were offended. And the word had started to grow... But when the difficult situation or that someone made them feel a certain way or they took that, that statement the wrong way or whatever, it stopped the growth of the word. There was no further roots dug down in. It kept hitting that offense, that offense. The stony ground is offended ground. So if you are developing in love... You will not be, love is not easily offended. Love has the ability to unplug all of the offense buttons. You know, if you brought your remote over to my house and tried to use your remote on my TV, it probably wouldn't work because it's not programmed to my TV. So the enemy can try his offense remote all day long, but I am no longer programmed to that remote. He can't push my buttons anymore because I have reprogrammed my, my, I've rehardwired my life to be programmed by these buttons. 1 Corinthians 13 buttons, right? So he says here this, Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. If you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed with one another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust is the word that means desire or craving. If I will walk in the Spirit, I by default will not fulfill what my flesh is desiring. If my flesh desires to hold on to uh, unforgiveness, I'm not going to give it its desire. I'm not going to give it its way. Yeah, but I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to see them. I'm not going to give them their way. I'm going to put my smile on and I'm going to walk in love. Right? I forgive that person. Why? Because I'm walking by the word and not by my feelings. I'm walking in the spirit. And, and then it goes on and gives us a detail for the flesh lust this word means to constantly have a strong desire the flesh has a strong desire against the spirit and the spirit has a strong desire against the flesh well if I'm walking in the spirit then I constantly have a desire that is contrary to or pushing away what my flesh is desiring. Walking in the Spirit. It's capital S in, in the King James Version, but in the original language, you have to be able to read the context and determine, is it talking about the Holy Spirit or is it talking about my spirit, my born-again spirit? And I like to explain it this way. The Holy Spirit lives in your born-again spirit, so it's hard to differentiate in that way, but... He's because we're going to see the fruit listed in verse 22, that would give us the indication because the Holy Spirit's not the fruit bearer. The Holy Spirit's not the branch. The Holy Spirit is the life that's flowing from the branch to the vine. So He's the life in me, but I'm the one that is bringing forth fruit. I'm the one that's going to be demonstrating the character of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, faith. Those are going to be on display in my life if I'm growing in them. 
So yes, the Holy Spirit is the life coming from Jesus into my heart to provide the ability for me to produce this fruit. But I'm the fruit bearer. I'm the, I'm the branch. Jesus is the vine. Is that what he said in John chapter 15? He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Go out and bear much fruit so that my Father can be glorified. And so because of that, we recognize it's talking about walking out of your spirit, walking in the responses that come spiritually to your heart, which is what the Corinthian group in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 were not doing. He said, you're acting like mere unchanged men. You're acting like people who are not even equipped with spiritual life in them. That's not us, right? That's not us. We're going to act like people who have the love of God shed abroad in our heart. We're going to act like people who have long-suffering and self-control and meekness, right? Why? Because we're equipped with that. I'm not limited to my emotions to deal with things. I'm not limited to my personality in in being able to maintain a relationship. I have the fruit of the character of God. God's character's in me. That's why he looks at us and says, girl, you look just like me. I can see, I, I can see daddy in you. Who am I seeing? I'm seeing God's character. Hallelujah. And that character is right here. And so the 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 Maturity is not marked by how many years a person's been saved. You can have someone who's been saved 25, 30 years, but if they haven't been a doer of the word, they're going to go to heaven, but they still might be at an elementary stage in their development. If they're not able to, like it said in Hebrews chapter 5, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern what's the right response. How should I behave in this situation? Right? So length of time being in church or being saved doesn't necessarily mean that I've developed. It's have I been a doer of the word? Am I feeding on the word just for head knowledge, just to have, have an understanding of things, or am I feeding on the word to do it, to put it to work in my life? He says here that the flesh lusts against what my spirit wants to do, but my spirit who is led by the Holy Spirit, he, my, my born-again spirit will have a strong desire against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And that's meaning if you're letting them both have equal time. If you're letting your flesh behave when it wants to behave a certain way, and then you're going to come over here and, well, now I'm going to try to be spiritual and I'm going to try to respond out of my spirit. You're going to always be in what Romans chapter 7, that straight between the two. I'm stuck in this place. Romans 7 is talking about carnal Christianity too. It's that I, what I want to do, I don't end up doing. And that very thing that I don't want to do, why did I do that? Right? Right? Why did I say that? Why did I follow my husband into the room and get the last word in? Why did I do that? I said I wasn't going to do that again, and I did it. Just, just, just let my mouth go. Why did I do that? Because the flesh is desiring to do one thing, and the spirit's desiring to do one thing, and if I let them both have operation, then I'm going to be stuck in that place of I'm doing what I don't want to do. And the thing that I said, I said I was going to get up and pray. I said I was going to do this. I said I was going to be faithful to this. I'm not doing that. Well, the answer is walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't even give the flesh its, its, its moment. <laughs> you won't even give it flesh any opportunity if you, if you maintain that walk in the Spirit, that I'm responding out of who I am in Christ. I'm responding out of the character of God in me. And so I can forgive, and I can trust, and I can. Why? Because the greater one lives in me. So I can do all things, Right? So he says here in verse 18, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, and he lists some 
He lists some things that we would design, we would uh, categorize as the works of the flesh. But then he says, this is not all of them. He says, and such like. So he says, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. I bet you didn't use that word this week. <laughs> you lascivious thing, you... No, no, no. What does lascivious mean? Lack of self-control. No restraint. No restraint. Well, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit, if I'm walking in that and I'm developing myself in that, then, then lasciviousness won't have a part in my life. It says idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. Strife is there. Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders. Does that just seem weird that those are next to each other? Like envy is in a category with murder. Wouldn't you think like murder? Woo, that's bad. But envy, God says it's bad because it's a step out of love. He says it's a work of the flesh. Envy, strife, they are works of the flesh. Murders, drunkenness revelings, and such like. So this is not just the full list, but things like this. Things like this, they're coming from the flesh. They're, the flesh is producing them. They're not coming out of the born-again spirit. They're not being motivated by our walk with God. You know, when I first started learning to pray, and I had to learn to pray because in my, before Christ, I'd never really prayed or had any spiritual discipline. And so, of course, you're not going to pray if you're not walking with God, right? And, you, and so when I was learning to pray, I realized, okay, I, I've got to get disciplined about this. I've got to quit hitting the snooze button. The snooze button is ruining my prayer life. <laughs> and this is what realization came to me. My spirit always wants to pray. My spirit is never leading me to hit the snooze button. It's not coming from my spirit, that motivation to say, 10 more minutes. 10 more minutes isn't going to help you that much anyway, right? But for some way, you could, your brain thinks, if I just have 10 more minutes. But, you know, I'm going to get more out of that 10 minutes in the presence of God than I am with that really not in a sleep mode sleep anyway. So what was motivating me to hit the snooze button? It wasn't my spirit. It was not prompted by that born again, alive in Christ part of me. It was prompted by that flesh. So when I realized that, then for me to sit there in that revelation and know for me to hit this snooze button, I am giving my flesh momentum. I'm giving it power in my life. And who am I not giving power? My born-again spirit. Moving right along. <laughs> Maybe y'all have never had this conversation with the snooze button. Have mercy. Such things. Notice he says, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, those who do such things, let, let's take it over into a place. When we say inherit the kingdom of God, of course... Those who continually, habitually do those things without repentance, without a, there is, because we saw murder as one of them, right? Without, without a change of heart, their, their Christianity, their walk with God is going to suffer and their ability to enter into heaven, yes. But you notice what else this brings out to me? They're not going to be able to operate anything else in the kingdom either. Not just eternity, but they're Christians who are allowing this activity of the flesh to dominate. They're not going to be able to operate victory in Jesus' name 
if you're feeding on strife. If a, if a believer is critical. And how do we know that? Because we saw this morning, he said, lay aside, First Peter. He said, lay aside that evil speaking and hypocrisy and maliciousness. Christians? What are, you, what are you doing with that? Lay it aside, he said. Lay it aside. So they had it. He said, lay all that aside and desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So they had that. You know, the Bible says, be kind one to another. Why did he have to put that in the Bible, right? Because they weren't being kind. So the instruction is there because he's telling us we've got to live out of love. We've got to live out of joy and peace and long-suffering with each other, out of our spirit, and not give in because that's how the kingdom works. And that's how the kingdom works for me, to be, uh, for me to be skilled in the kingdom operation of victory that I need and my ability to enter into the presence of God. If I come into the presence of God, but I'm all filled with strife and criticism uh, for, for people, then that's going to be the first thing that I've got to deal with in his presence. Like, ooh, what's that in your heart? Right? So it says the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit that is being produced in your spirit by the presence of the Holy Spirit in you is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Why? What does that mean, against such there is no law? If I'm operating out of this, I'm not going to violate anything God has ever instructed. I mean, this is the key to walking in line with the Word of God. Develop these. Now remember, they have to be brought to a development. Just like apples growing on a tree, you don't want to pick them if they're not ripe. If they are just in that green stage where they're sour, they don't have the fruit ripened yet, you don't want to pick it and eat it, right? Well, the fruit of love in our life, we've got to develop it. That, the Bible says that as we love one another, we're perfected in love. We're perfected in love. So it's not going to happen just because I'm saved. It's going to happen because I'm acting out of that ability of love that's been deposited or shed abroad in my heart. It's available because I'm saved, but I have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Like that, that preacher's wife that Brother Hagen was talking about. He said to her, it's coming out of your flesh. You're offended at her. You're upset with her. And it, you're dealing with her out of your flesh. And he says, you need to forgive her. And she did. And not only, listen, this... I want to, let me back up because that may be a different person. He was in a town and this person who said she hated her mother-in-law, I want to say it's the same story. Some of you might have heard it as well. She, she had a child who was dealing with epileptic seizures. And she said when Brother Hagen dealt with her about forgiving her mother-in-law, she did. She forgave her mother-in-law. She had her mother-in-law over. They made up. She forgave her. They started fellowshipping together. Brother Hagen was still in town, and they called him and said, our child is having one of these episodes. Would you come and pray for him? And Brother Hagen got in the car. He's driving to her house. He and Sister Aretha are driving to her house. And the Lord said, don't pray for the child. You tell the mother that she's walking in love now. She has the authority to tell the devil to get his hands off her child. And that's what happened. He walked in and he said, I'm not going to pray for the child. The Lord told me to tell you to point your finger at, at, at the enemy or point your finger and say, I'm walking in love now. So you'd have no right to attack my child in Jesus' name. 
And the, the seizure stopped and that child, he was back years later and that child had no longer had any of those seizures. Okay, now in that situation, she was not able to operate her kingdom authority while she was violating the love. Do you see that? But once she put herself in line with the love of God, she could now operate in her kingdom authority and exercise that authority in the life of her child. Praise God. That's, it, that's an example for us that it's, it's more than just how I feel at that moment. See, we've got to, we've got to, out, we've got to allow the word of God to give us a bigger picture of what's going on. Because in the moment of that anger or that hurt or that offense, in the moment, you're thinking about who? We're thinking about ourselves, aren't we? We're thinking about how that made me feel. How they think about me. And if that selfishness is the motivation, then love isn't. You know, a lot of times we want to put the, the opposites and we say love and hate. But, you know, I, I see it a little bit differently. I think love and selfishness are opposites. I don't think it's hate. I think it's selfishness. Because if you begin to look at the love of God, it is selfless. It is selfless. That's how... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son because he was selfless in that love. Jesus came and loved the Father so much that he obeyed the Father even to the point of death so that we could be saved. He was a demonstration of the love of God in action. Selfless. Selfless. When the temptation came to think about himself, when, when Peter said, no, Lord, not you. Think about yourself. One, one translation says, pity yourself. Not you, Lord. Pity yourself. Think about yourself. That can't happen to you. Jesus whirled on that with an anger and a, and a, 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 a thrusting away and says, you get behind me, Satan. Peter wasn't Satan, but that thought came from Satan. Why? Because if Jesus started thinking about himself, none of us would be where we are today. Do you know why Eve and Adam ate the fruit? They weren't thinking about any of us, were they? They weren't thinking about their children. They weren't thinking about God either. You know what's the first commandment? Even in the New Testament, the two commandments that, that are, are ours to... Obey, love God. Love God with all of your heart. That's first. If I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm doing that. If I'm not thinking about God and loving Him and honoring Him and living my life in a way that is pleasing to Him, I'm not walking in the Spirit and I'm not honoring Him and loving Him. But part of that learning to love God is to have that consciousness that everything I think, and every feeling that I allow in my heart, I want, he's going to see it. So I want it to honor him. I want him to know I'm not letting things in me that aren't pleasing to him. Not willingly, not knowingly. If I do, I said it this morning, I'll say it again. I say to the Lord, if there's something in me I need to change, you tell me and I'll change it. Right? I want him to know he can call me on the carpet at any moment. He can correct me and he will because he loves me. Amen? But that loving God, and then if I'm, if I'm doing that, if I'm loving God, I'm going to love you too because I love God. And he bought you with his blood. So because I love God, I'm going to love you. And if I'm doing that, I have fulfilled all of the requirements that God has. If I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm fulfilling all of those requirements that God has. If I'm walking out of this character, if I'm developing these characteristics, by default, I'm in line with the Word. I'm in line with God. God is, there's, there's nothing, why? Because I'm flowing out of Him in me. 
He's abiding in me and I'm abiding in Him. And I'm living out of the supply of life He's placed within me. Praise God. So if I'm walking in the Spirit, let's, let's read this again in verse 24. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So they, those who belong to Jesus Christ, what's our part? Crucify the flesh. Recognize it. You've got to recognize it to be able to resist it, to be able to say, no, I don't live like that anymore. I don't think like that anymore. I, am, I, I don't allow strife. We, we want our, our heart to be strife-free. If you find yourself ever feeling the offense, just recognize, wait, 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 that is not coming out of my spirit. Offense is not coming out of my born-again me. Where is it coming? If I give in to offense, what have I just given in to? My flesh. My flesh. That's the way to recognize it. Now that I know that, now that I can recognize it, if I start to get offended and I want to just, what did Pastor Marie say? You put that hip out like that. If you ever find that, you know you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong flow already. Y'all got to go back. Go watch Pastor Marie's episode from the ladies' conference because it was so right on. You put that hand on your hip and you get out like that, you know you just need to be quiet and repent. Because that's not the right attitude, right? Praise God. If, I'm, if I am in that offense, I know automatically I'm not in my spirit. I've just stepped out of love. So let me bring, let me dip in. Like, why? I always have love. You know what Romans 5, 5 says? Love is shed abroad. And that word shed abroad means constantly poured out. One in the Weiss translation says it's inundating, which is like a flood. So there is a flood of the love of God in your heart right at this moment. And it's constantly flooding. You're never running dry on love. You're not, you're not like, oh, my love level's down really low. No, the Holy Spirit has poured out that love in the heart. It's abundantly there. But I have to yield to it. I have to choose to dip into that love supply and answer out of that supply and respond out of that supply and take that love and tell my flesh, I'm not acting that way. So instead of being offended, I'm going to bake her a pie. <laughs> instead of being mad at her, I'm going to bless her. What does it say? Bless those who curse you. Why? Why? Bless those who curse you. What do you want to do to somebody who curses you? Slap them! That's right! Ding, 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 right? That's what, that's what the natural reaction. Oh, no, you didn't, right? Slap is not a fruit of the Spirit. So what do we got to do? Bless. The blessing overpowers the curse. But the blessing, blessing someone who curses you is walking in love. So if you get offended, I tell you, you want to make your flesh sit down and shut up? The next time you get it offended at somebody, okay, I got offended at them. I'm giving them $50. And your flesh will be quick to say, I'm not going to get offended at them anymore. If I got to hand $50 to everybody I get offended at, I'm going to be saying that's costly to get offended. Right? You listen here, flesh. You mess with me, I'll give them a hundred. Your flesh will be like, okay, I want some new shoes. I'm not going to be offended at anybody else because they're getting my shoe money. That would be selfish too, wouldn't it? <laughs> we are going to be governed by the love command for the rest of eternity. We are not going to leave this age and this time and God lift the love command and say, okay, that love rule, it's no longer effective. You're on your own. Go live how you want. For God is love and we will be growing in love for the rest of our eternal lives. So we might as well get on with it. We might as well get good at this, right? We might as well grow in this. We're going to live in eternity together. So let's let love abound. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Father, we desire to grow.
and to develop and to mature in the stat, into the stature of Christ, growing up in Christ. Lord, we desire, say this with me, Father, I desire, Father, I desire to, grow to grow in your spiritual fruit, in your spiritual fruit so, that I look like you, so that I look like you and I act like you, act like in, you. Every in every situation. Help me, Lord. Develop and mature in your fruit. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I believe we will, and I believe we're going to see more and more light on how we can grow in the character of our Heavenly Father. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Stand with me to your feet. Did you receive tonight? Praise God. That's food to grow by. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we're, I believe that the reason the Holy Spirit is emphasizing these things, Pastor and I were talking about, there's promotion coming to this church family. There's promotion. And that promotion needs that maturity in it. For us to enter into what God's taken us into, we need that maturity in place operating in our church family. And not that we, it, I'm not preaching this because any of us are being immature. I'm preaching it because we're moving into more. Yeah. We're all developing into more. Yeah. Amen.